Welcome to the Business Finishing School Podcast. Stop the insanity. Eliminate the chaos. Bring simplicity, probability, and leverage as operating values into your business and personal life so you can do more, earn more, and improve your relationships. This is Business Growth Simplified. Here's your host, Business Finishing School founder, Rick Sapio. All right, this is Rick Sapio with my partner, Teresa Kuhn, and we're going to talk about a topic that Teresa has brought to the forefront for me, and it's the topic of programming. And it's funny, I intuitively knew a lot of this stuff, but you know it not only on an intuitive level, but you've actually studied this topic. So, Teresa, welcome. What is programming, Teresa? Welcome, everybody. Programming to me is up here, what are we? The analogy we can use is a computer. We're software up here, and software needs to be programmed, just like everything else, right? In our subconscious mind, our unconscious mind, however you want to call it, we've been programmed, some say, before birth, genetically, ancestrally. But I'm talking about programming in terms of how you can change your life or how you can program yourself or have awareness around what's been programmed in you and programming your family, your children. So I'd like to talk about health to start. Our idea of health today is actually very different than our idea of health 50 years ago. You know, most people 50 years ago, maybe even 60 or 70, didn't eat what I call Frankenstein food, right? Manufactured food, processed food. And Rick, what happened? Well, I think it all went hand in hand with another form of programming, TV programming. We had, you know, families sitting in front of TVs, which led to TV dinners, which led to convenience. No more, you know, mom cooking the meal at the dinner table. I saw a photo, which you shared with me. It was a, it was from the seventies. It was a group of people on the beach, a large group of people. There's probably 75 or a hundred people in the photo. And I couldn't see one single person who was overweight. It was kind of weird to see even older people, very thin and in shape. When you talk about what happened in the sixties, many things happened but we became a culture fixated on convenience and speed and industrialization of food. It was the industrialization of food. And with Madison Avenue using the media, the new media that everybody absolutely loved, which was the TV, the television set, they were programming, influencing, sending messages to us, a captive audience on food, Frankenstein food, processed food, food with all sorts of dyes, food that really wasn't food. And it got us thinking that non-processed food was yucky and the new food, the Frankenstein food, was yummy. And where did they do most of this advertising in terms of food? What was it targeted to or geared to? Yeah, the kids. The kids. So much of those breakfast cereals were absolute garbage. I mean, we can look at this today and know it's garbage. Back then, it was new, it was fortified, it had vitamins, it was healthy, it was colorful. So how interesting we were programmed, right, to think about health and eating very, very differently. Just recently, I was at a public pool in Texas with my kids, and I was in shock at how massive Americans are. That's a part of programming too. Like it's okay to be big. 
And we all know life expectancy changes dramatically when we're obese. So that's part of the programming too, that it's completely fine to be big. One of the things that doctor friend of mine showed me was a chart, the introduction of high fructose corn syrup and obesity and the percentage of obesity and the magnitude of obesity. And those charts were identical. In the 60s and 70s, it became, I know I was raised in a home where none of that was allowed. So it's the introduction of the corn syrup, it's the substitutes for sugar. sugar. And what happened? We became an obese society. I think this was something that was designed from way back, going back to the 20s and the 30s. It's just the TV, right? The media and the radio advertising helped spread it even faster. Yeah. And think about the vicious cycle it creates. So now you've got, you're mainstreaming this programming, teaching people how to eat in a new way. Therefore, you're creating people who are sick and diabetic. Therefore, you're feeding into this massive medical conglomerate that you can have a drug that will help you with your diabetes. No talk of radically simplifying your diet in the medical world, but a drug will do it. So it's this vicious cycle of food programming and drugs to keep us healthy. The medical industry does have, you know, if you have a heart attack, of course I'm gonna go to the doctor, of course I'm gonna go to the hospital, et cetera. But I'm talking about these accepted long-term illnesses like metabolic syndrome, like diabetes, like obesity, like certain forms of heart disease, which are driven by uh, what we put into our bodies. Let's move past food for a moment, if you don't mind. Uh, and let's talk about other forms of programming that you've experienced. Well, I think the overarching concept that we've been programmed not to take responsibility for our lives, victimhood, and we'll go to wait. How have you seen society change the perception of someone who is obese over the years? Back then it wasn't accepted. Today, it's accepted as the norm. And in fact, it's almost a protected class because it's not their fault that they're heavy. So it's this concept of victimhood or not having to take responsibility for your life. And there's this concept around everyone is a protected class, even if it goes against the grain in terms of what we know to be healthy, what we know to be a lifestyle where someone can live a good, long-term, healthy life. So I have to tell everyone and be honest with you. Um, uh, I'm uh, about 5'9". I weigh about 190 pounds. But for a long time, I was around 230. It was really, really, really hard work for me to get my weight down to what it is now. And it's going to be even harder work to get to 170, which is my ideal weight for my height. It's hard work, folks. If some of you are listening and saying, how dare them talk about this? Our goal, as Teresa just pointed out, is that you, li you live the best expression of your humanity that you possibly can in the four areas that are key to money for life. We want you to be vibrant. We want you to bounce out of bed. We want you to be healthy. We want you to be proud of how you look. Listen, you want the years ahead to be high quality years. So if you're taking offense any of this, like I maybe would have taken offense to it when I was 230 pounds. Believe me, I made a decision to deal with the hard reality that if I'm offended by something, that means there's some truth to it. Mm -hmm. I love somebody taught me a long time ago, there's a million reasons for you to be offended every day. 
but cut the crap. Nobody cares about what you're offended by. What we care about is you being the best version of yourself that you possibly can be. So listen, if you want to be fat, it's a choice. That's the point. And if we're going to be really politically correct or incorrect, right, let's talk about alcohol. What does society say about alcohol? There's a tremendous amount of programming around alcohol. Here's the thing. You don't drink any alcohol. I do drink socially. And the programming around this, look, let's celebrate. Let's have a drink. Let's open a bottle of wine. And we're teaching our kids early that alcohol is a way to celebrate. And it's just bizarre. Not only a way to celebrate, it's a way to socialize. Mm -hmm. And in fact, for our kids, when we send our kids to college, what is alcohol in college? I believe it's a sport. Yep. I went to the University of Miami in Miami, Florida at a time when cocaine was everywhere, right? So it was alcohol, pot, and cocaine. But Rick, I made a very conscious decision early on. I looked at what drugs and alcohol did to people, and I said, that is not what I want for my future self. It's not about the alcohol itself. It's about the relationship that we have to the alcohol and the societal programming around alcohol. Alcohol is a sport. It's required in every social setting. It's required in sports arenas. Like think about everything that we do, alcohol is right in the middle of it. But we have so much opportunity to take responsibility for what happens to us. And when you do that, you no longer become a victim. And then you can transform, you can change whatever situation you're in. Yeah, so let's go back to what you're saying is it's a form of programming to accept all of this stuff as normal. So let's think about other forms of programming. I have to tell you, uh, many of you know this about me, but we uh, don't have, uh, and I've never had a TV in my house. Just today, this morning, I was spending one-on-one time with my son, Leo, who's 10. We brought up something that happens on TV. And he says, Dad, you know, why, why don't we have a TV? And I, re- I told him, I reminded him, we were watching the Super Bowl at a friend's house and the commercials came on. And every time the commercials came on, my kids would leave. They had absolutely no interest in commercials because they've never seen commercials. They, to them, it was like, what idiot would sit there and watch a commercial? And what's a commercial, Rick? What is a commercial? That's my point. It is designed to persuade and influence you to take action. Exactly. So here's my point. There's programming around a celebrity culture. There's programming around pop culture. There's programming around cell phone use and all that. You know, these cell phones are highly addictive devices. We don't even think twice about handling handing them to a three-year-old. It's all kinds of programming. Tell us how to think. Tell us what apps we need. Tell us who to love, what celebrities. Tell us, you know, how immorality is the new morality. We're unconsciously allowing it into our lives because we're not consciously creating rules. It's like our lives are like Swiss cheese. Anything can get in. So once you have awareness to this, Everything is programming. And what we're trying to do here is to wake you up to this reality that you can have a life by design instead of being a victim to what's been programmed into you. How is it that we can teach the people listening that they can have independent thought and judgment and get off of this program path? You should absolutely always feel confident and feel okay 
and speaking your mind and thinking different. And it's what a, what a way to end. Teresa, so great to spend this time with you learning about programming. And we're really here to wake you up, folks, we're, to wake you up to your own potential and your discernment around what you're allowing in. Teresa, any final words? No, I love the conversation. I love the conversation. And take a few minutes and just think of every every idea, every thought you have and question it just for like 10 minutes. Like, what do I believe about this, 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 this? And where did that belief come from? Like, is it something that I really would believe? Or was it influenced to me by my parent or my church or my school or my education or the media or celebrities? Like, just question it. It's so liberating. It's so liberating. I love this conversation, Rick. Thank you. Please do that work. We're signing off. Thank you for tuning in to the Business Finishing School podcast, where we teach you business growth simplified. For more information on Business Finishing School or their Business Growth Summit event, visit businessfinishingschool.com.